Hello Harbour City Church. What a joy to be with you this Sunday. My name is Brian and together with my wife and an eldership team, we have the privilege of leading West Point Church up in Kloof and we also have the great privilege of partnering with your pastor, Grant and Michelle. Uh, Grant has been an amazing friend to me over the years and uh, together with Michelle, they have provided such a wonderful support to Caitlin and myself uh, as we lead West Point Church up in Kloof. And so from us to you guys, thank you. You guys are amazing and we love the work that you are doing in the city of Durban. I want to take a moment quickly before I share my message to say well done. Well done, Harbour City Church. The past 10 months has been kind of crazy and uh, you as a church have faced so many challenges and changes over the last little while. But from the outside looking in, we've been able to witness your faithfulness and your commitment to the local church, but also to Jesus. And we want to say from West Point Church, from Caitlin and myself, a very, very well done Harbour City Church. You guys are amazing. Uh, through all the challenges and difficulties over the last little while, you've pressed in and uh, you've supported your pastors. You've continued to be faithful to your church. And by the grace of God, we are all still going. We are still loving Jesus. And we're going to continue to do that into the future. So keep going, Harbour City Church. We're backing you. We're praying for you. And we are here to support you in any way that we possibly can. Can I also encourage you to keep praying for your pastor, Grant and Michelle. We, uh, as pastors now, are really trying to hustle and kind of pivot and decide what's best as things are changing moment to moment. I just want to encourage you as a body to lift up Grant and Michelle as they pray and seek God and ask for guidance from the Spirit as to what the next steps are for your church in these changing times. So uh, continue to do what you do. Uh, we love you and we are here to support you. This morning, I want to share a message on prayer. You guys have just started a, a preaching series last Sunday titled, Teach Us to Pray. And uh, the message I'm sharing this morning, I've titled, Why Pray? Alistair Begg, the theologian and pastor, says, In the Christian life, nothing is more important and nothing more difficult to establish and maintain than a meaningful prayer life. Although we find time to do just about anything else, good things, industrious things, ministry things, it often seems that when we get to the issue of prayer, everything works against us. So, Harbour City Church, as you start this new preaching series on prayer, I have a few hopes and desires for you as a church. And my hope is that you would continue to become good at prayer. As you journey these next couple of weeks, I pray that as a church, you will continue to grow and skill up and gain confidence and mature in your prayer lives, both individually and corporately as a church. I also hope that you fall more in love with Jesus through prayer. As you spend more time talking to him and listening to his voice, that you would fall ever more in love with him. I also pray that you would continue to advance the kingdom of God through prayer. As you pray, things start to change and shift in the spiritual landscape of our city. And I also pray that you would, uh, as you come to God in prayer, that you would skillfully and powerfully put prayer at the center of your own hearts, in your lives, in your families, in your community, for the glory of God. Duncan Campbell, the uh, revivalist and pastor, says, We must give ourselves to prayer. Prayer changes things. 
I believe that God wants to do something special in your church regarding prayer. Something greater than what he has done up until this point. I believe that there is a season in Harbor City Church, definitely in the lives of the individuals in Harbor City Church, that God wants to do something remarkable with regards to prayer. And so we're going to read through Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13. Grant preached on this last week. It's the Lord's Prayer. And then we're going to bounce into our sermon this morning. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. This then is how you should pray. The disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, teach us to pray. The title of your series, teach us to pray. And this is Jesus' response. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Friends, this just reading the word prayer or hearing someone mention the word prayer creates some kind of anxiety in your spirit. May kind of make you feel a little bit guilty, maybe. Oftentimes when we talk about prayer and particularly our own personal prayer lives, we can feel scrutinized or maybe even nervous. We're easily embarrassed when we talk about our own personal prayer lives or even sometimes apologetic for it. Some of us don't know how to pray or we you know, feel as if we don't pray enough or maybe we only pray when there's some kind of crisis like COVID or a salary cut or my kid's not going to school because of the virus or whatever the case may be. Some kind of emergency in our lives. I honestly can never remember meeting somebody who said to me, hey, I've got prayer all sorted out. I'm like an expert prayer. I've never met anybody who says, you know, I pray enough or earnest enough or I've definitely got enough faith every single time I pray. And the reality is that prayer can actually be really hard. And more often than not, we find that we are not naturally born prayers. Prayer takes work. Prayer is a discipline and a skill that we have to learn and grow in and mature over time. And the only way to do that is to give ourselves to prayer like you're doing over the next few weeks and equip ourselves to become better prayers. And so we have to learn. It's a skill and it takes time. Even the first disciples, the the disciples uh, at this point where we read in Matthew chapter 6, they would have been with Jesus for some time. They would have walked around with Jesus, spending every day with him, traveling from city to city, Uh, They would have seen Jesus do miracles, and they don't come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you please teach us how to, um, I don't know, heal, heal people. Jesus, please teach us how to raise the dead. Or maybe Jesus, teach us to walk on water. That would be amazing. My my kids would love that. If I could just walk on water, Jesus, that'd be cool. My life, that would be amazing. Please, can you, no, they, they come to Jesus, the first disciples, and they come to him, and the one question they ask him is, is, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. They asked this because they saw the deep connection that Jesus had with his Father in heaven. And they realized that all of the source and life and authority and power in Jesus was found in the place of prayer. Now, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. There's always something new that we can learn about prayer. And it's always something in our relationship with God that we can always humbly grow in. 
And so the first question I want to answer this morning is, what is prayer? What is prayer? Well, simply put, I think that prayer is dependency on God. It's dependency on God. It is ultimate dependency on Him. You see, when we don't pray, what we are actually saying by the actions of our lives is that I can rely on myself. My money, my education, whatever it is, I've got it covered. God, I don't really need you right now. Now, first up, I want to say this. is Prayer is not something that you have to do. Prayer is something we get to do. Prayer is not something you have to do. Prayer is something we get to do. Prayer is an awesome privilege. And also, prayer is essential. I remember a few years ago, I went to my GP. I can't remember exactly what it was for, probably a cold or flu or something. And I went to my doctor and I've been going to the same GP for a number of years. And I know he's a believer and he knows that I'm a pastor. And so I can't really remember how we got onto the topic. But he started to tell me about this uh, recent trip that he had just done to a doctor's uh, conference of sorts where they revealed a study that they had done and uh, the results of this particular study. Now, the study was to see who visited the GP the most uh, or what kind of people would be more likely to make visits to their GP. Now, this is really interesting. The results showed, and this first one's pretty obvious, people who visit the doctor the most are overweight, lazy people with really bad eating habits. What is interesting is the second category of people that make the most visits to the GP is a professional athletes who are constantly pushing their bodies to the limits, particularly like long distance marathon runners, cyclists, swimmers, these kind of people. So what we learned from the study is you should never run long distances, but we move on. Uh, the, the study then goes on to show that people who visit the doctor the least, people who have the least health problems and the first Kind of category is pretty obvious. It's people with good diets who have a very healthy work, play, exercise, diet, balance in their lives. So that's quite obvious. But here's the interesting thing. The second grouping of people who made the least amount of visits to the doctor are people with an active prayer life. People with an active prayer life. And so apparently God has physically hardwired our bodies to be healthy when we pray. And God invites us to pray by promising us in, Gen in Jeremiah 29, call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Cole Barth once said, and I love this, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of this world. In Colossians 4, Paul prays, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourselves. Give yourselves over. Commit to being prayers. And so as we've already said, a lot of people sitting in church these days start to feel a little bit guilty the second they hear the word prayer. But prayer should never make us feel guilty. Getting one-on-one -on -one time with our Father in heaven who deeply loves us should be a delight, not a duty. You see, Jesus understood this, and he wants us to experience the same incredible privilege that he had of this intimate connection and conversation that he would have with his heavenly Father. And so, what is prayer? Tim Keller gives what I believe a great definition. He says, prayer is both conversation 
and encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising His glory, the intimacy of finding His grace, and the struggle of asking His help, all of which can lead us to the spiritual reality of His presence. In its most general sense, prayer simply means communicating with God. And this can be done audibly as we hear God, as, as God hears our words, as we, as we speak to Him, or silently as God knows our thoughts and the, the longings of our hearts. Prayer is, pr- is the primary way that we engage in our relationship with God. We talk about us being disciples of Jesus, being in relationship with Him. Well, the primary way that we are in relationship with Jesus is in the discipline, in the place, in the practice of prayer. And Christian prayer, when we pray to our Father, that is actually what it is. It's deeply, deeply relational. And just as communication is key to any relationship that we may have, it's vital in our relationship with God. Now, my wife, Caitlin, she's a remarkable woman, girl of my dreams. And one of the things that our relationship is built upon is communication. Like any healthy relationship is built upon good communication. But I want you to imagine this. Imagine every time I had communication with my wife, it was me telling her about my stuff or asking her for things. In other words, the only time we had communication was if I was speaking to her or asking for things from her. That relationship would probably suck. I need to, in my communication with my wife, have this awesome privilege of being able to share with her the deep longings of my heart, have, uh, have the privilege of being able to just share the kind of nuances of my day, my thoughts, my pains, my joys, my dreams. I also have the privilege of being able to ask my wife, my, my wife to, to help me with stuff or make requests from her. But it can't just stop there. I also need to create space for her to do the same towards me. I need to listen to her. I need to be receptive to her requests. I need to create space for a two-way dialogue. And the same can be said of prayer. So that's what prayer is. It's having conversation with God. And because communication is designed to run both ways, prayer can include both speaking to God or asking God for things and and intervention in our lives. But it also involves hearing from God. See, this conversation can be done anywhere in a variety of ways, whether in the traditional posture of bent knees and clasped hands, bowed head, or in the more natural ways of driving your car or mowing the lawn or doing grocery shopping. We can journal our prayers. uh, We can you know, write our prayers down in the form of songs or poetry. My wife, who's a a wordsmith and very creative, loves to do this. I pick up her prayer journal and it's full of songs and uh, mostly poems and just recording her prayers and she likes to reflect back on them and kind of keep a prayer journal. Uh, You can shout your prayers. This is probably more in line with how I pray at times. I walk around my garden and I can petition God or I can cry out in joy or I can, you know, share my, my, my prayers, my thoughts, my desires with Him verbally pretty loudly. Uh, our prayers can be in the 
posture of being, you know, silent or just listening to God's still small voice. We can pray the scriptures. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. We want to spend time with God, but we end up just praying the same old thing over and over again, and our prayer life kind of feels stagnant. I'd encourage you to pray the scriptures. We pick up the Bible and we, we pray the words of God back to Him. And I just want to tell you, as kind of a side note, that gives our prayer so much power. We can pick up the Psalms. If you don't know where to start, open your Bible to the book of Psalms. The Psalms is called the prayer book of the Bible. And what we do is we take those prayers written from uh, believers in history and we put those prayers in our mouths and we direct them towards God and we start to pray the scriptures back to him. However we pray, wherever we pray, we just need to remember that the goal is always to eagerly and humbly cultivate our relationship with our heavenly father. And it's in prayer we, we connect with a God who loves us and who cares for us. Now, Sometimes prayer moves the hand of God. Sometimes we come before God and we petition and we cry out and we ask for his intervention, whether it be in my own life or in my family or in our nation or whatever it may be, we cry out to God. And sometimes God answers those prayers and his hand moves and we see God move in power. Other times prayer changes our hearts. And, and, and as we are, we, we, as we come to God in prayer and we, we align our heart to his, our heart starts to be captured by, by, by his heart and we are brought into agreement with his will and then we start to trust in him. And oftentimes this is where we start to see our prayers answered because what happens is our heart is shaped into the will of God and then we start to pray things into being in line with God's will and then those prayers and the answers manifest themselves in our lives. That, that's why when we pray the Lord's Prayer, your will be done as on earth as it is in heaven. So we, we align our hearts with His, and then we start to see His will done on earth as it is in heaven. We are created by God, friends, in the image of God, and we are designed for relationship with God. And so the primary purpose of prayer is nurturing and growing in our relationship with our Father. Just like a child who has frequent conversations with a parent who really loves them. In Mark 14, Jesus prays, Abba, Father. Jesus starts his prayer in Mark 14, verse 36, Abba, Father. And this prayer shows us that Jesus, is, has, Jesus has this relational intimacy with God. And he's calling him Abba, which quite literally means like father or more specifically like daddy. It's this affectionate term from a child towards a father who they know loves them. And so what we see from the scripture is that prayer is deeply, deeply relational. And, and we need to be more focused on the relationship that we have with God and not on the words that we use. Sometimes we get so caught up with the words that we use and we try and be clever or whatever it is in prayer, especially when we are praying corporately like out loud. We feel this pressure to use like big words or to be well prepared. But what happens is we then forget that prayer is actually about relationship. Jesus warns us against this in Matthew chapter 6, just before the Lord's Prayer. He says, and when you, uh, just after, he says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that uh, they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You see, when it becomes all about the words that we say, and you say, uh, the, when it becomes about the words that you say, the, the relationship actually gets lost. 
Now, we cannot lose the point of prayer, friends. It's about relationship. If you want to have a long-standing prayer life, a sustainable prayer life, it's not about jumping through religious hoops or being really clever in your prayers. It's about relationship. So we must focus on the relationship. I grew up in a religious tradition where our prayers were very memorized, kind of formal, uh, you know, very ritualized prayers. What this does is it trains us to think that we need to jump through certain religious hoops in order to get our prayers heard, or at least for God to like kind of do something on our behalf. But God is a loving Father who loves to hear from His children, and He welcomes our prayers. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8, 4, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Paul is saying to us, hey guys, you are not slaves, you are now children of God, and you have the privilege of saying, Abba, Father. It's like we've been given permission by the Apostle Paul to cry out to our Daddy in heaven. And so relating to God as Father is a privilege and a right. It is both our privilege, but it's also our right as children of God adopted by Him. So you don't have to be formal with God. Uh, you, you don't have to be formal with your dad on earth. You, know, you just have to be respectful. And so Tim Keller goes on to say, he says, to pray in Jesus' name is essentially to reground our relationship with God in the saving work of Jesus over and over again. It also means to recognize your status as a child of God regardless of your inner state. You know, adults can actually learn a lot about prayer just by watching how their children relate to a loving parent. I've got uh, two boys, my eldest son who is five years old, his name is Judah. I've got a two-year-old named Caleb. And a funny example, uh, Judah at the age of five, uh, now, if he wants to go for a swim, he doesn't have to approach me and kind of say like, dearest father, uh, despite the horror of my sinful ways and the unworthy fallen nature that I have, I now beseech thee, my father, to come and swimeth with me. No, he just walks up to me and he's like, hey, dad, you want to go swim? And, and, and he doesn't have to hesitate. He doesn't have to make some kind of 15-minute speech. There's no ritual or routine or kind of physical posture that he needs to be in to approach his dad. He, he knows that I love him. He knows that he has freedom to ask me things, and he knows that I want to spend time with him. See, guys, I love my son. He's my boy. And all he has to do is come and ask me, and I'd love to go swim with him. Uh, some of us, you know, we are just too serious when it comes to our prayers. Now, I'm not saying that prayer isn't serious business. I just mean that sometimes we think that if we pray in a certain way or with certain speech, then God is going to be more inclined to hear us. But God is our Abba Father. He's our Daddy and He wants to hear from us. He wants to answer us and He wants to help us. He doesn't require any more formalized rituals or routines than any other earthly loving Father would. We don't have to be so uptight or stressed out when it comes to prayer. And this is why the Bible says in Hebrews that we can approach the throne of grace boldly. Our Father loves us and He wants to hear from us. Our Dad cares and He's available. We just need to talk to Him. And so, 
to answer the question, what is prayer? It's communicating with God. Second question, God, uh, why should we pray? Well, four things. Firstly, God tells us to. God tells us to pray. First, we pray because we are told to by God over and over again in the Bible. Here's a few examples. In James 5, we read, pray for one another that you may be healed. In 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. In Luke, a few examples, pray that you may not enter into temptation. He goes on to say, he told them a parable to, to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Luke goes on to say, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. These are just a few examples where God is telling us over and over again to, to, to pray, to talk to him, to ask him for stuff, to petition him, to ask him to intervene. Okay, secondly, we pray to increase our joy. We, we pray because it is designed to increase the fullness of our joy. Jesus says in John 16, 24, until now, you have asked nothing in my name. He says, ask and you will receive. Not so that you can have everything you need and be the happiest person on earth uh, because you have all the physical stuff that you've ever wanted, the nice car, whatever. He says, ask and you will receive. Why? So that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. God did not create prayer to make us unhappy. It wasn't, prayer was not created to like make you feel guilty and make you feel like you're not worth it or that you like suck at keeping a spiritual discipline. He created prayer so that when we convey our hearts to God, the Father, in the name of God the Son, by the power of God the Holy Spirit, starts to move in our lives so that we can experience the fullness of joy that we would not otherwise know. And so, if your joy in God, if your relationship with God feels stale, or it feels like you're lacking joy in your relationship with God, this might be one of the reasons. The invitation is come, pray, so that your joy may be full. Thirdly, we pray because simply it's an awesome privilege. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to talk to God, the creator of the universe. Think about it. God runs the whole world with infinite wisdom. He, you and I never inform God of anything that he doesn't already know. We never add to his wisdom about what he should do next. It's not like he's sitting up in, in heaven and looking down saying, Oh, please, Brian, I need your help. Please pray. Tell me something I don't know so that I can just help the world. I really need your help. No, he, he doesn't need our prayers to know what he should do. It's just that he wants to have a relationship with us. That's as basic as it gets. He's God, creator of the universe, and he chooses by his love and his grace and his mercy to have a relationship with his children. He's all-powerful. Romans tells us, For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. He's, a, he's amazing. He's awesome in power. And we have this wonderful privilege to come and talk to him. So we pray because it's an awesome privilege. Fourthly, we pray because prayer glorifies the Father and the Son. It brings glory to God. Jesus says it clearly in John 14, whatever you ask in my name, I will do this, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We bring glory to God when we come to him in prayer. Okay, a few practical things to end off to help improve your prayer life. Well, these are some things that I find are helpful for me. And uh, I just encourage you to experiment, to find a good rhythm and routine that will work for you. And maybe some of these suggestions will be helpful. So for me, I set aside a time every day to have my regular meeting with God. 
Now, we want to be men and women who live lifestyles of prayer. I want to be able to share my, my day with God. I want to be able to be speaking to him while I'm in the car or doing the groceries or mowing the lawn with some of the examples we gave earlier. But it is really helpful to set aside a time in your day, whether it be in the morning, or in the evening, or lunchtime, wherever it is, a dedicated time slot in your day, that's going to be your prayer time. Next thing is to set a regular place where you pray every day. I found that pretty helpful. I've got a beautiful deck in my garden and I sit out there in the mornings with a cup of coffee and that's when I would spend time praying. So find a place, whether it be a chair or a, you know, a nice chair, comfy couch in your lounge or somewhere outside, whatever it may be for you, find a spot that is your regular prayer place. Turn off all technology because we live in this distracted digital age, so we don't want to be distracted. Start your prayer time thanking God for whatever comes to your mind. We want to be men and women who cultivate our hearts of gratitude towards God. And so uh, start off by thanking God for the things in your life. It doesn't have to be massive. Thank Him for the day. Thank Him for breakthrough. Thank Him for, you know, whatever it may be, whatever comes to mind. And then keep an ongoing list of people or things that you are trusting God for or praying for so that your prayer time, you know, is uh, kind of structured. I've found that uh, structured prayer life is, for me, the best way to sustain my growth. Uh, I read a quote that says, we, nobody grows haphazardly or by accident. We do not grow by accident or haphazardly. It's not like we can just kind of be organic people and float through life and just hope for the best and hope that maybe we'll pray. And we can apply this principle, whether it be to like, you know, going to the gym and exercising. You've you got to follow a program. You've got to follow an exercise program. If you want to lose weight, you've got to follow a diet plan. And the same with prayer. I believe that if we can structure our prayer lives by putting on a few things, whether it be a prayer list or, or something that would, with a time in the day, a spot where we pray, it helps us uh, grow. It gives us a framework where we were able to grow in our prayer lives. Personally, I keep a prayer journal. This was inspired by a mentor of mine, Rory Dyer who uh, has this prayer journal and one day sitting and having conversation with him, he said to me, Brian, I pray for you every single day. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, you know, and he pulled out this prayer journal and it was just full of names, over 150 names of people that he prays for every single day. He said it's become a holy practice for him. As he's structured his prayer life in this way, God is moving in his heart. He spends about an hour and a half every day praying. So I got myself a prayer journal and I've written down a whole bunch of people that I pray for, not 150. I, I pray for uh, a number of churches. One of the churches that I pray for regularly is Harbour City Church. One of the people or couples that are families that I pray for is Grant and Michelle and baby August. And so I've got a, a prayer journal where I've got some scriptures there written out for me. And I've structured it in such a way that I can pray for my wife and my boys and myself and our church and our, the people in our church and for churches that we journey with and friends of ours and so on. So get a prayer journal, write down some notes. It, it really helps structure our prayers. And lastly, uh, because we end up praying the same old thing about the same old thing, we, we end up always just thanking God for something and then praying for ourselves and our family, which is great. If we find that our prayer lives are stagnant, we, we're battling to gain some kind of momentum. I mentioned this earlier. Pray the Bible. Pray the scriptures. Go through the Psalms. Take a Psalm a day and just get your heart in a posture of prayer. Ask the Spirit of God to come and help you. And, and it's a simple thing of just saying, Holy Spirit, please help me as I pray the psalm back to the Father. Then read the psalm in a posture of prayer. One of my best preachers, a friend of mine now, John Tyson, uh, he says, of all the lessons I have learned, 
The most important, hands down, is the primal priority of seeking God through prayer. Hopper City Church, I pray over the next few weeks as you maybe pray for the first time, maybe as you kind of reinvigorate your prayer life and blow some wind into that sail, that you would learn again or grow evermore in the primal priority of seeking God through prayer. I'm trusting that we'll have beautiful testimonies of how God has shaped our hearts in deeper connection and intimacy with Him and how God's hand has been moved in your lives and in your community through prayer. I want to end this morning by praying the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, we lift your name up as holy. We say thank you that you invite us into this wonderful privilege of being able to call you dad and approach the throne of grace boldly. We declare that you are mighty and that you are awesome. We declare this morning that you are holy. Your kingdom come and you will be done. On earth, in Harbour City, in Durban, in our nation, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We ask, Lord God, that you would help all of us navigate these difficult times. As many people find themselves without jobs or find themselves with a pay cut or just the stress and anxiety of the day that we live in, we pray that you would give us our daily bread. We ask that you would forgive us our debts. We are sorry, God, for where we fall short of your glorious standards. We ask that you would pour out your love, your grace, and your kindness on us, your people. As we have forgiven our debtors, we ask that you would give us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, hearts that are willing to forgive those who have done wrong to us, and that we would be gracious and kind to our brothers and sisters. We ask that you would not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We pray all of these things in your mighty name.